1: I'm Brian Tetta, executive producer of The View. It's Friday, and I'm here with Anna Navarro. This is Behind the Table. Hello, Anna. How are you?
2: I'm good. Are you?
1: I'm good. We had a really big week again. We're having a really big month, but um, we had Vice President Kamala Harris with us this week. Now, uh, what did you think of the appearance in general? I thought it was terrific.
2: You know, I think she did great. I thought she was very solid um, in all the questions. And we and we hit her with a ton of different topics. Um, You know, I kind of felt uh, like like that book and movie like Stella got her groove back. Mm -hmm. Um, I I think she you know, I think it was a a difficult transition for her into being vice president. She was excellent in the Senate, particularly when she's in, in fight mood in fight mode, when she was um, questioning people at hearings. I thought she was terrific. And I thought she was particularly poignant and good and just just so effective talking about reproductive rights. And it hit me that this is the first time in 244 years that we actually have someone with a uterus (laughs) talking about reproductive rights. And the difference that that makes. So she is uniquely qualified to talk about this because, first of all, she understands a woman's reproductive system, which is more than I can say for a lot of the men mandating what a woman should do with her uterus. Mm -hmm. And she was a prosecutor of sex crimes in California. So she knows the horror of a child having a child, of a child getting raped, of a child getting pregnant. She knows those horrors so she talks about it in a, in in such a personal way uh with a voice of experience and compassion i thought she was particularly good and i think that's one of the issues that's going to do to be make or break in this election because we continue seeing horrible stories on a weekly basis
1: well you you asked her that question about abortion rights that's been picked up a lot and even fox news praised her uh kely was Saying that, you know, she answered the, that exactly the right way for the Democrats. Were you surprised by that?
2: Um, you know i'm 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 always surprised when um when Fox News talks about us. Um, which is actually a Every lot. <laughs> a lot. You know, there was a time when I was a. There was a time when sometimes people would would stop me. And say, "Oh, you know what? I just saw you on Fox News. They thought I worked on Fox News because
1: they play instead clips of often. ABC
2: or <laughs> CNN because they play so many clips of me and and attack me. Right. Um, you know, and I'd have to clarify. Uh, Kelly, what's her name? I can't even pronounce Neconetic. her last name is, um, she's, she's from what I've read, very much a Christian. Uh, and I think one of the things that Kamala did very effectively also is say, you don't have to give up your faith
0: mm-hmm.
2: to understand that there's a separation between church and state. You don't have to give up your faith to understand that you shouldn't be telling somebody else what to do with their body. And so I thought that was a very particular, uh, particularly good message. But also, look, the proof is in the in the ballot. Right. The proof is in the pudding. They've lost in Ohio. They've lost in Kansas. These are not liberal bastions. Mm-hmm. And every time abortion is on the ballot, has been on the ballot since the Dobbs decision, mm-hmm. Republicans have lost.
1: Now, after the interview, uh, you went to a luncheon with the vice president. Tell me about that. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, we went— um, we went and met with um a group of folks um who really just wanted to talk about uh talk with her. It was um off the record um small group of uh you know she's a, of, of people who hopefully will be energized and engaged by the campaign. She's going to be out there a lot, and you know one of the things that I actually wanted to talk to her about wanted to ask her about on the show that I didn't get to that we we ran out of time was the role of her husband, Doug, mm-hmm. because, and I, I said this to her afterwards, I said, you know, you are the first woman vice president. And I never want to take that for granted. I never want to take for granted that there were 244 years and 49 men before we got the first woman vice president, but also she's given us the first Uh, second gentleman, the first male that's, you know, that's a spouse um, of a principal. Mm -hmm. And he gave up an incredibly lucrative, successful career. He was an entertainment lawyer in L.A. at a very large law firm, and he did very, very well. And he gave that up in the prime of his life, at the height of his career, to uh, come support his wife. In this administration, and he's done so seamlessly to the point where we almost don't talk about it, right? We don't even mm-hmm. think about it. And he's out there practically every day on behalf of this administration.
1: He's been a big voice against anti Semitism yeah.
2: during COVID, small business. And I, I love what Doug Enhoff means and the example he is setting for marriages, for spouses, for gender equality. He's uh. I'd he, like to
1: have him on. I'd like to have them on together also. Um, but I'd love to have him on anytime. We got to work on that. I um,
2: love. I love him. He's he's such a he's such a mensch.
1: You mentioned that this is something you wanted to ask about, but we ran out of time, which brings me to another conversation. So, there's been some fodder online about you um, scolding the show and and. By proxy, me. Uh, I wasn't
2: scolding the show; I was scolding you. You were
1: scolding me. Well, it was written up like you were scolding the show, but you were scolding me for playing music at the end of the vice president's last segment. Um, so he- here's the thing: I've, I'm trying to explain to everyone, and, and particularly the hosts, who you think would understand this. Time is is linear and finite, as we've discussed many times, and we're a live show. At a certain point, we the show goes away. <laughs> at a certain point, we run out of time. The commercials play, the next show comes on TV, and we are out of time. So in a perfect world, you guys are aware of the time we have left and we'll wrap up or we'll say, oh, we're out of time. I'm so sorry, in the most polite, wonderful way possible. Because you are so passionate, all of you, you get a little bit wrapped up in these things. And unfortunately, you don't. Take the time cues.
2: I don't like the way you're looking at me as you're going through this conversation. You're the only one in the room. (laughs) Well, I don't think this should be a conversation had just with me.
1: No, it's a conversation that needs to be had with every single one of the people there. Um, And of course, nobody (laughs) wants to interrupt someone like the vice president of the United States, but you also don't want to cut them off because the local news starts at 12 o'clock. My first day on the show, the first time I ever worked here, um, I miscalculated the time we had. And we did not have a last segment. We never said goodbye. This is in 2015. And we overbooked my first show here, me and the other executive producers at the time. And the show just never, for the people at home, they never saw the end of the show because it just cut off and another show started. That's in the back of my head all the time. So when I interrupt somebody by playing music, you're not being played off because I don't like what you're saying. You're not being played off because I'm interrupting or trying to protect the world from hearing what you have to say. You're being played off because we're out of time. And yeah, but can guys, I can yeah, I say please. two
2: th- two things? Number please. one, you read way too much stuff yes, I do. from social media. Yes. It's not healthy. No, I it's don't not. read anything. Unless you send it to me, I don't even know what's happening. I know. Second of all, I think people don't understand that we you and me, and you mm-hmm. know, most of us have a very good banter. Yes. And we joke with each other. And there's yes. a lot of things we say to each other jokingly or in jest or in humor. Yes. Uh, that that they think is serious. I mean, I wasn't scolding you. I was be. I was kind of like you know, I was. It was a quip. It was. It was ribbing you. When I'm scolding you, they'll Mm -hmm. know it.
0: Like, right, really, so we'll you shouldn't
2: read no. all, uh, all this stuff. Right.
1: But just for the record, I'm sitting here saying, please don't make me have to play music right now. Oh, have let we me told go to them page. how
2: you read all the reviews to this podcast? You're like obsessed. I, you, s- I tell people. You this. send me the ones in Spanish. Well, because I need so, them to be translated. And I and I tell you how they all say that you're a horrible human being yes. and you're obnoxious and yes. condescending. and yes, annoying. All those things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No. And then I uh, then I check on Google Translate and you're lying and they love everybody. But yeah, no, I I like, listen, I uh, am appreciative of the people that listen to the podcast every day, and I'm really appreciative of the ones that take the time to leave a review or to rate us and follow us. So um, it's important. Speaking of which. I
2: wish I knew how to leave a review so I could leave one for you under some other name, but I don't know how to do it.
1: I'm appreciative that you haven't figured that out. So um, on that note, we have recently started a hotline Mm -hmm. where people can, it's the view behind the table hotline where people can ask questions. And the first one we're ever playing is a question for you. Hi, Brian and all of the VIEW team. Um, this is your favorite 28-year-old gay boy, Justin. I guess my question is, what are the policies that you disagree with that would be on the Democratic side? Okay, so this is this is interesting because—and um, thank you, Justin. Um, I, I This is interesting because a question we get a lot, because you are a Republican, but it, you are a supporter of President Biden, Vice President Harris— and I get that question often. Why aren't why hasn't Anna become a Democrat? You've talked about not recognizing the Republican Party in its current form. Are there things that the Democrats are doing that would stop you from going all the way there? Do you just think you're more effective as a member of the party still? What What? you must get this question.
2: You know, I think people who haven't been politically active their entire life, mm-hmm. uh, like I've been uh, in a much lesser way than, let's say, uh, Liz Cheney, but like Liz Cheney has been don't understand how difficult the evolution is, right? Because it's more than policies mm-hmm. for me. I, you know, grew up since I was a kid, since I was like 13 years old, volunteering in campaigns, going to campaign headquarters in Miami and party headquarters. Um, I'm married to the former Republican Party of Florida chair yeah. uh, and, and fro- former chair of, uh, of the uh, American Conservative Union. This was such a huge part of my life, um, Being a Republican. And I would say that being a Republican in the 90s and 2000 in Florida, where I was represented by people like Jeb Bush, like Lincoln Diaz Ballard, Ileana Ross Leighton, is very different than the Republican Party of today in Florida. Certainly um, a a world of difference from Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. Um, So I firmly believe in the need for two healthy parties competing for our votes offering ideas offering bipartisan solutions i firmly believe it even more so for minority communities i think the worst thing that can happen to african americans to latinos is for one party to openly antagonize you and another party <laughs> to take you for granted mm-hmm. And so that's that's, you know, a, a lot of um, me trying to explain and justify. Um, I think there's also some psychobabble involved. I, th- I honestly because I've thought about this a lot. I honestly can't stand the idea of being pushed out of something of, a, of, of some, you know, of a, of a party of a group where I belonged my entire life. Um, and I think that's kind of like trauma of me having to flee Nicaragua when I was eight years old. I you know I told you this was psycho babble yeah. and the, and it got um policy wise I disagree with a lot of the things that part of the Republican party is espousing right now. I agree with a lot of uh, Mitt Romney for example. Mm-hmm. I agree with a lot of what he's talking about. I a- agree with a lot of uh, what a, what an Asa Hutchinson the former governor of Arkansas. So you know, are are talking about on the Democratic side there are policies that I disagree with. I really I have an issue with uh, Joe Biden's policy and Democratic policy in general towards places like Cuba, like Venezuela, like Nicaragua. You know, opening up Cuba is something that I disagree with. I'm very close to it. I know Cuban political prisoners. And I don't think it's gotten any better since Obama uh, did that change Mm -hmm. of policy. I think, in fact, it's gotten worse and the repression has gotten worse. Uh, I'm very troubled by lifting the sanctions uh, on Venezuela, um, because the the level of repression uh, and corruption in that country is what's leading to the massive immigration influx at the border. Um, and I I I have a lot of disagreements with the extreme left of the Democratic mm-hmm. Party. You know, when I when I listen to a Bernie Sanders or Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. I'm much more in line with Joe Biden, with Chuck Schumer, uh, with Nancy Pelosi than, you know, than I am with Steny Hoyer than I am with that. And I'm much and I'm also in extreme disagreement with the extreme right and now the Trump wing of the Republican Party. The difference is that I think the extreme left on the Democratic side is very much the minority and not running the party. If you see who the actual leaders are on the Republican side, the extreme right and that MAGA wing are running the party, are defining the party. You know, and it's very hard for me because most of the Republicans who I looked up to, who I followed, who I admired, uh, who were, you know, who were kind of like my touchstones, have either retired or lost elections or are completely irrelevant or have died. Mm-hmm. And so it's harder and harder to find a Republican who's relevant in today's Republican Party um, with whom uh, I, I agree. But I really hope that at some point we get to, to have two healthy parties again. I hope it happens in my lifetime, even if it's, even it, if I'm 100 years old.
1: Is it fair to say that you're hopeful or you could see a version of the world at some point where there's a Republican Party more f- familiar to you than one you left?
2: I don't know anymore. And then that was the question we asked Liz Cheney, right? Mm -hmm. Is the Republican Party salvageable? And the reason that I tell you, I don't know. Look, politics is swings on a pendulum. Right. And it goes it goes way to one side and then it goes all the way to the other. And and we see this um, happening time and time again. Um, I hoped stupidly, perhaps, but I hoped and I think many others in the Republican Party thought so, that if and when Trump went away and lost, the fever would break. Mm-hmm. The problem I see is, yeah, he lost, but he doesn't admit he lost and he hasn't gone away. But more than that, the problem is that there's been a lot of new Republicans voted into local, state, yeah. federal offices in his image. People that talk like him and think like him and act like him. People like Matt Gates and Marjorie Taylor Greene and Ron DeSantis and you know, who 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 are very extreme and who are very hostile and divisive and, um, you know, use horrible language. And so I don't think it the fever breaks uh, right now. And if he you know, if he loses this election, if he loses the primary, he's going to say it was rigged.
1: But if if the far left liberal part of the Democratic Party became the empowered one and the more moderate side of the Republican Party once again became part of in control of the Republicans. You could see yourself on that side again.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If so, uh, I right. mean, if if I had to vote between, I mean, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm just saying something. If I had to vote between, I don't know, Rashida Taleb or Liz Cheney, I would vote for Liz Cheney. Right. And Liz Cheney says something in her book at the in the epilogue. She says, "We can survive." Four years of bad policy, referring mm-hmm. to Biden, right. with whom she has great policy disagreements. She says we can survive four years of bad policy. We can't survive four years of someone who wants to destroy the Constitution, and 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 that's you know that's that's basically uh, the right. way I feel. I'm if I were you know I, I think I'm a moderate, middle of the rotor. Mm-hmm. I I really don't want anybody telling people what to do with their private lives. Mm-hmm. I don't want anybody telling you who to have sex with, who to marry, who to love, what to do with your body. I want government out of your bedroom and out of your life, out of your private life. That's supposed to be a conservative value. Right. Small privacy, government, yeah. privacy, freedoms are supposed to be conservative values. It's just that this conservative party is is unrecognizable.
1: Yeah, there's not a lot of nuance anymore, right. <laughs> anything, which is crazy. Um, all right, well. I appreciate you uh, saying that, and I appreciate the person calling in. So if there's more thoughts you guys have and you want to ask some questions, that was a good one, and
0: I look forward to hearing more. Okay, we'll be right back. Woodward and Bernstein, pen and paper, wine and cheese. What about the perfect pairing when it comes to growing your business? That's you and Shopify. Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're delivering daily digests or serving sensational scoops, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort, thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. No matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. all lowercase. Go to shopify.com view now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com view. We're
1: driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire, you need indeed.
0: Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times best-selling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer.
1: All right. Now, all week long, we've been having discussions in the Hot Topics meeting about the differences between Gen Z, Millennials versus older generations. Everything from their fears of getting older and not being able to afford the things they want um, to just what actually makes what are the defining characteristics of these groups. How do you feel about it?
2: Um, I'm not even I I have a hard time uh, uh, remembering where Mm -hmm. one starts and the other one ends. I, You know, I think COVID has drastically uh, changed people, particularly people who are in their formative years. We haven't even seen what it's going to do to the kids who were in school and were taken mm-hmm. out of school, um, you know, what the long-term effects are. I think it has drastically affected the generation of Gen Zs because, you know, here they were in their very early 20s, uh, going into the workforce and all of a sudden they see, you know, all these people who worked for 30 years, 40 years die,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know? And so I think it, it turned, it, it made experiences a priority. It made fulfillment and happiness a priority. Really, you don't see the, you uh, know, in, in the generations that preceded me, there was, you know, it was like the corporate loyalty. Mm-hmm. I think, this generation is loyal to themselves and to their feelings. I also think they have different priorities and it's difficult for somebody like me to understand because when I was growing up, nothing signified success more than owning your own home. Right. Right. That was people worked their entire lives to pay the mortgage and and by the time they retired, have a house that was free and clear and it was their nest egg Mm -hmm. Today, you know, the, the the kids, you know, Al has children. Um, so I have stepchildren that are in this age group. They're, you know, mid, late 20s. And they think renting is a smarter choice. Mm-hmm. And frankly, when I look at the numbers, I'm not sure they're incorrect. Yeah. Because when I look at the at the cost of, you know, you're talking about 8% mortgage rate. You're talking about a Huge increase, at least in Miami and Florida, and in in, uh, in taxes. Huge increase in cost of housing. Huge increase in the cost of insurance. Yeah, you know, you rent, you got none of those problems. You, mm-hmm. And so, and in the meantime, you can, you know, go to Africa and to the bachelorette I mean, party in Ibiza, and you know,
1: you are somebody who does. I, I understand it's a different uh, generation, and some of the things are hard to understand. But you enjoy an experience. I mean, you know, you, you've earned these things over time. But I, I think you would understand that, too.
2: And, but I, I love—so my, my, my niece, who uh, was a teacher in Florida, um, my niece is probably about 30 years old. Uh, she was a teacher uh, in a school in Florida, and she just told me she and a group of girlfriends are going for two weeks to Africa. and She was asking me for recommendations. She is prioritizing this and seeing the world. I will tell you, I think I've told you this before— but something that really impacted my life was losing my brother. Yeah. At 38, my brother died of a massive heart attack when he was 38 years old, and I was, you know, I was in my um, in, in in my 20s, and I, you know, since the moment he died like that, I just want to live hard. I want to live fast. I understand that. I want to experience. I want to. In Spanish, we have this saying, "Que me quiten lo bailado." Let them try to take away from me what I've already danced. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so, so I, I don't, I just, you know, I, I think about it all the time. Like, oh my, you know, when I, when I have a birthday, my gosh, I've now lived ten more years than Tuto lived. I've now lived twelve more years than Tuto lived, and I, I want to be able to do all these things that I wish he had um, mm-hmm. gotten to do.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um... Oh, it's interesting, and and it's, it's a conversation we're going to keep having because The View at its core is a show about different generations and perspectives. Um, all right, so before we go, there was a headline this week saying that you were spotted at a Miami club with half-naked dancers. Do you care to respond to this this story?
2: Well, first of all, it's 80 degrees in Miami. Sure. And second of all, it's Miami. We're all half-naked. What's the point of having a Brazilian <laughs> butt lift and fake boobs if you're not going to be showing them, for God's sakes? Uh, no, I, I, um,
1: to be clear, this is not you talking about yourself with the Brazilian butt lift.
2: I don't have, a, I don't, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I don't have anything fake other than my hair color and the hair extensions. Oh, and the lashes. <laughs> but I reserve the right sure. to, you know, one day lift and add mm-hmm. and pump and yeah. stretch and whatever.
1: Talk about experiences.
2: But, yeah. um, and if I do, mm-hmm. yesterday, yesterday, I saw this post from Eva Longoria, uh, and she had all these pictures of her in the 90s and like red carpets. And she's half naked in all the pictures. She, and she said in the post, why was I always showing my midriff, uh, you know, on, on red carpets in the 90s? And I'm looking at this bitch and she's got this washboard stomach. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I wrote I wrote on a comment. If I had your stomach, I would have shown up to the red carpet with two coconuts and a fig leaf. <laughs> So thankfully, I've been fat and chubby and, you know, and had stretch marks my entire life. So you will never find a naked picture of me ever, ever, ever. But um, But when
1: you go to the club, you're going to be surrounded by half naked people.
2: Well, but it was it's it was a wonderful uh, restaurant, by the way, called Delilah. There's one in Las Vegas and one somewhere else. I don't know if it's here or where. And it was you know what it was? it was like a 1920s style supper club okay and so there was this w- gorgeous woman singing there were these women with bobs and 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 peacock feathers in their head but dressed like in that 1920s look mm-hmm. uh, dancing randomly dancing and, and i mean it was just and you know what they had on the menu what pigs in a blanket <laughs> which i love sure i could not love them more they had the the menu was um Terrific. And I go to these places because of my because my best friend works in the food industry.
1: Mm-hmm. And so your best friend, Lee Schrager. Oh, shut up. That's his full name.
2: My best friend, Lee Schrager. Yes. You know, what? my <laughs> best friend, Lee Schrager and I are going to go see Madonna. Oh, oh on right. uh, on the 29th. So we can talk about that. Uh, we can that bet week. the
1: over under on when she walks out. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate you spending this time with me. As always, I look forward to Friday's. Thank you for joining me on Monday. I uh, wasn't
2: even mean to you today. I feel like I haven't done my job appropriately. You were a little mean. You were what mean did in, I say in to In the you? beginning,
1: but the, the playing you off stuff and all that, it was... Okay, yeah, fine. We Go got ahead. a little bit. We'll, we'll fight more next week. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I'll be back with Sarah. In the meantime, if you have questions for me or the co-host, like I said, check the episode description for the number to our Behind the Table hotline. Keep leaving reviews keep following keep downloading keep telling your friends and uh, have a great weekend
2: thank you you too enjoy the snow enjoy the snow
0: Behind the Table is executive produced by Brian Tetta. Supervising producers are Nathan Getty and Summer Shake with production assistant Emily Darcy. The vice president of ABC Audio is Liz Alessi and the executive producer of podcast programming is Laura Mayer. Special thanks to Lori Hogan, Susie Liu, Meg Fierro, Enza Dolce Nini, Josh Cohan, Ariel Chester, Frankie Perez, Audrey Mostek, and Dana Schaefer.
1: The first ever criminal trial of a former president is underway in Manhattan. It's one of potentially four trials facing former President Trump as he makes his third bid for the White House. What do voters think about his culpability and would a guilty verdict make a difference in the election? I'm Galen Druk, and every Monday and Thursday on the 538 Politics podcast, we break down the latest news from the campaign trail. We sort through the noise and zoom in on what really matters using data and research as we go. That's 538 Politics every Monday and Thursday, wherever you get your podcasts.